in between episode three, how to market your product's value to payers and provider organizations. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. My name is Stacy Richter, and although being the host of this podcast, Relentless Health Value, is incredibly rewarding, I get to meet some absolutely fascinating individuals doing some really innovative and exciting things out there. The one thing that this podcast does not provide is, um, let's just say, monetary reward. So I do have a day job. And what my day job consists of, I am actually the CEO of an advertising agency, a marketing agency. We have one type of customer that we tend to work with, and that is pharmaceutical companies or medical device companies. But we are even more specialized than that because we do not tend to help our pharmaceutical customers or medical device customers market to consumers. You know, we don't do any of those ads that you see on TV. What we do work on is helping our pharmaceutical company customers reach organizations, healthcare organizations. And that's kind of a probably bad catch-all term that includes payers, insurance companies, institutions like health systems. Another kind of catch-all term that is also has some issues is risk bearers. Generally speaking, the customers that our pharma companies I'm using customer about six different ways, but <laughs> the customer that our customer engages us to reach are, are some sort of uh, risk-bearing organizations. And their burning question these days, my customers, the pharmaceutical company, medical device companies, one of the things that they're all trying to figure out is how do we explain our value to these health systems? How can we sell them our products in this new you know, market environment post ACA. Sometimes, sometimes the answer that I give is not really the one that they want to hear because it would be simplest to be very brand centric and to start with the product, to pull up their, you know, brand visual aid and say, ah, got an incredible mechanism of action. You should go and talk about that. I mean, to be perfectly frank, that's what everyone's first instinct is. If you're trying to sell your product's value to pretty much anybody, you, you tend to start with the product. Sometimes I start the conversation with this quote from Frederick Collins, which I love. He says, there are two types of people, those who come into a room and say, well, here I am. And those who come in and say, ah, there you are. In my humble opinion, the only way that anyone has any chance of selling anything into a health system or into a payer is to be that second kind of person. I um I read a book by Ian Altman recently. It's called Same Side Selling. And he cited a survey that had been done of CEOs. Now, he wasn't specifically talking about healthcare CEOs at the time, but I think the results are eminently applicable. You know, healthcare CEOs are not that different than any other, if at all different than any other type of CEO. But what 
the survey um, that he did amongst CEOs consisted of is he asked several hundred CEOs, what are the questions that they will ask when someone approaches them, when someone tries to sell them something or someone comes and asks for money? What's the short list of questions that a CEO will ask? Here they are. Question number one, what problem do we have here in this organization that you think you're going to solve? What is the problem? That is most CEOs' first question. Second question is, what are the likely results if we go with the solution you're suggesting? And the third question is, why should we go with this particular vendor? Why should we go with this particular um, solution provider? as opposed to some other ones. Really interesting in those top three questions, there's no what. The CEO is not asking, how do you do this? Or what is this thing? Or, you know, show me the, show me a diagram of how this thing works. That's not top in a CEO's mind. And I got to tell you, you know, as being a CEO myself, I probably do the same thing. I never really thought about it. But if somebody comes in my office, either one of my employees asking for a budget allotment or if some salesman is trying to sell me something, I could honestly care less about how their raid server works or whatever it is that they're trying to do. What I want to know is what is the problem? Secondly, I want to know how this thing, whatever it is, doesn't even matter, is going to solve this problem how well. And then thirdly, you know, exactly the same thing. Is there other options? And why is this the best option? You know, what what has been explored? So that is really important to trying to figure out what the value is of your product. Because if you start with the product and you start explaining some feature of the product or start twiddling with knobs or whatever, you know, your product actually does in the case of pharmaceutical products, talking about your mechanism of action or talking about your efficacy or whatever you're talking about, that's not going to be interesting. And it's also least likely to succeed. And sometimes that's really difficult actually for pharma to hear. I mean, pharmaceutical companies are not used to being customer centric. It's just not the way they have tended to think. And in the past, they have had the power to pretty much do whatever they want. But now they're not really in the driver's seat so much anymore. Their their power is very much eroding. And at this point, they're walking into some very powerful customers' offices and being hubristic and being brand centric and talking about their brand in uh, isolation is not gonna, first of all, it's not gonna win friends and influence people. But second of all, it's very unlikely to be super successful. There's a, I feel like a fortune cookie. There's a, a quote that I often trot out at different times, but it's the venerable people buy a hole, they don't buy a drill. You know, if you run in and you're talking about your shiny, whatever it is, uh, you're trying to sell a drill to somebody who might not need a hole. The, the trick really is to embed everything that we do inside of the, the customer's problem and really understanding what the customer's problem is first and foremost, and then presenting the 
the tool or the apparatus or the app or whatever it is that we're trying to, to, to sell as a way for the customer to minimize the, the issues that they're, that they are having. What are some tricks to start figuring this out? I, there's any number of, of <laughs> books that you can read about, you know, strategy and, and how to define um, value. So I'm not going to attempt to go there in a very short 4th of July in between episode. However, one really simple way to go about it is to finish this sentence. Payers put our brand on formulary because... Actually, that's the pharmaceutical version of that sentence. You'd have to adapt it to your own market, but it could be something like, you know, insurance companies will pay for my product because if you start with that sentence, it's really hard to fill in something that is too terribly brand centric at the end. And if you do, you really don't understand your customer because no payer will put any pharmaceutical product on formulary because of some interesting mechanism of action, no matter how patent protected it is. That's not a reason for a, a payer to do anything. It, you know, it's kind of like the difference between efficiency and efficacy in the, in a larger context. You know, just because you can do something efficiently doesn't mean that it should be done in the first place. So if you've got some awesome mechanism of action that provides something which a payer doesn't value, then they don't care about your mechanism of action sadly. Kind of baked into value is also the idea of competitive differentiation. You know, how do you position your product and, and make sure that the value of your product is greater than competitors? To quote Peter Thiel, every business is successful exactly to the extent that it does something that competitors cannot. It needs to solve a unique and troublesome customer problem. All failed companies are the same. They failed to escape competition. So competitive differentiation really lies in your ability to laser in on an issue that your customer is having, which only you have really keened in on. So one way to think about your value is to look closely at your customer and try to really pinpoint some kind of problem that they're having that very few people are solving. Because if you can find a unique problem, I mean, honestly, the way to a unique value proposition is to find a unique problem. One example that has been cited is, here's this one, in the luggage industry. So you can figure out how to, how to connect the dots back to, to healthcare. How long did it take the human race to put wheels on luggage? Once again, this was in the, the Peter Thiel book, which is called Zero to One. It was probably the best business book I've read in a while. But it's almost embarrassing how long it took humans to, to put some wheels on luggage. You know, you think about it. For decades, luggage marketers were differentiating themselves with, you know, ergonomic handles and rugged zippers. Then some inventor came up with the idea of putting wheels on luggage. He had figured out a customer problem that nobody else had put a finger on, that it's really hard to carry bags around and it's a lot easier to pull a bag than to, to carry it. So then you had consumers tripping over the cheaper suitcases to buy the ones with wheels. So that's a really good example of 
using the idea of finding a unique customer problem in order to find the value of your brand and at the same time competitively differentiate. So if I was going to give, and this is actually, it is, the advice that I give the pharma companies that come to us looking for a way to define their value. Of course, at Franklin HealthCom, where I spend my days, we do have a very defined process, a seven-step process in order to help our pharmaceutical customers find their value, which is all embedded in health economics and outcomes research, and it's all incredibly methodical and well-validated. Like I said, in, you could go that route and um, do something that is highly complex and designed to make it past teams of attorneys who are scrutinizing every statement. Or you could simply get a book about strategy. Actually, one that I really like is um, there's a guy named Roger Martin who's out of Harvard, and he has a strategic model that's called, I'm going to butcher it because I'm not looking at it right now, but how to play play to win or something like that. But I would definitely, if you're looking for a recommendation, I, I, I might start there. He's got a really interesting way to to go about creating a, a strategy and at the same time really understanding what the value of your product might be. So happy 4th of July. I hope you tune in next week. We have a great episode with Ray Reddy from Armada, which is a specialty pharmacy group purchasing organization. We have a great conversation about biosimilars. See you next week. Links to everything discussed during the episode today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com.